get over Ming's kingdom, we should land near the entrance of the abandoned drain tunnel. Our ship can be well concealed there. I remember the place. Hello everyone, this is Barney. Welcome to Loco Ludus. For this episode, I've crossed over the road and come into my local little park because it's nice here. It's nice to have the birds. It's nice to be outside. It's nice to have the sun shining on one's face, which might actually happen again in a moment. To mark the 50th episode of Loco Ludus, I've decided that I would like to do what I planned for the very first episode. It was the first idea, the first thing that I wanted to talk about for the podcast, but things turned out differently. And the thing that I would like to talk about is the the historical and the conceptual overlaps between Megacity 1 from Judge Dredd in 2000 AD and the Necromunda hive world developed by Games Workshop. Those two things, the megacities and the hive worlds, have been very big influences on me. As I've said before, and listeners to earlier episodes will know that I interviewed Andy Chambers about the Strontium Dog game and the the then upcoming Judge Dredd skirmish games uh, put out by Warlord. Andy, of course, having worked for many years previously at Games Workshop, and he acknowledged and does acknowledge the influence of 2000 AD on the, the Games Workshop crew. A little more recently, I interviewed Barry Sawada Tucker of Megacity Gaming, who is is also a big 2000 AD and Games Workshop uh, uh, skirmish gamer. And he, when I spoke to him, we talked about his his um, Judge Dread homebrew system, skirmish homebrew system, homebrew skirmish system. And actually, I'm very excited to say that tomorrow I will be playing Barry's game, Periphery, with him via Tabletop Simulator. Me in Germany, Barry in Japan. So it's very exciting prospect that. So, one of the ongoing threads of Loco Ludus has been 
yeah, this this 2000 AD and yeah, kind this in a sense that I'm going to say I'm going to say this the the, the Necromunda uh, world. Now then, now then. I've got some some off-road uh, BMX cyclists using the little track around here, having some fun. So that's a nice background. So, as as a young person, as a young person, 2000 AD was a massive influence. And I think a little later, a little bit later, so was Games Workshop, White Dwarf, and the world of gaming. Um, and this episode is going to be kind of part one of some discussion about about all of this. Or at least I'll come back to the topic of Necromunda again. But when when I was when I was young and first reading White Dwarf one of the things that really captured my attention were the rules for confrontation and they ran in White Dwarf from issue 130 to 142 and there were six parts to it And those articles, I, I just remember reading over and over and over again. And I seem to remember butchering uh, my white dwarves for, uh, for the Marienburg content for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and for Confrontation. The... Yeah, the the whole to so that this this whole setting of confrontation really captured my attention, and and then I guess I dropped out of gaming because I was completely oblivious to the fact that confrontation became necromunda, and I only realised that when I got back into gaming a few years ago. And what so when I got so when I got back into gaming I I thought to myself, yeah, what was what was that really interesting stuff that was in those white dwarves? What was it? What was it? That that's that's those those articles that I carefully cut out, put together, and then at some point chucked away. And I, you know, these days doesn't take long to dig around and find out. And lo and behold, I realized that it had become Necromunda. 
And so I, I was really toying with whether or not to get into Necromunda. And and I was thinking about yeah I was I was I was considering what what skirmish system did I did I want to get into because I felt that I wanted to get into a, a skirmish system. Um, and I was even I was you know because the whole kit bashing home brewing thing really appeals to me I was I was even thinking about this thing that some people have called Legomunda Legomunda so you basically create Necromunda using Lego and you what's nice about that of course is you can take arms off add a push but you can swap weaponry headgear armor I'd, you know those kinds of things you could evoke the different uh, uh, clans and gangs from Necromunda quite well and track and track the the changes that the uh, the, the characters go through and so I think at that time when I got back into gaming Necromunda was not uh, had not been reissued so so it was you know a time of pure community edition activity and then not too long after the uh, the new edition came out and you know it really still catches my eye but ultimately what I decided to do instead was to uh, go in for Gangs of Mega City 1 which uh, was a mongoose game that predated the Judge Dredd miniatures game and why I chose that one was because it had alternate activation, not I go, you go. So not the classic Games Workshop system of I move all of my troops and then you move all of your troops and so on. Alternate activation allows you to move individual characters. Uh, you, you move basically, you move one each or you have one mini turn each and that to me in terms of gameplay is just so much more appealing um, and I think really uh, works especially well with skirmish games and I was never I was never going to be getting into armies never and still never um, so why Gangs of Mega City 1? Gangs of Mega City 1 from Mongoose basically took over the space, the empty space left by Necromunda, the absence of Necromunda in, uh, in those years when Games Workshop weren't supporting it. 
with the addition that it used alternate activation instead of I go, you go. Now, because I prefer that system, it kind of mystified me why Mongoose then completely rewrote everything uh, to create the Judge Dredd miniatures game. So, that's, I think that gives you the book-ended story of my personal overlaps, I suppose, with 2000 AD and the Mega Cities and Games Workshop and Necromunda. And so what I'd like to do in, in a future episode is look at the, con- the original confrontation Necromunda rules and especially especially the, the, the way the world is uh, presented and talk about um, why what captured my attention way back and also why I don't get the feeling that certain aspects have that that interest me have been carried over into the new game so that is uh something that i'm looking forward to doing so today what i want to do is to start that ball kind of rolling by looking at a a, a concrete historical example of the um, of the the, the overlap o- overlapping development if, shall we say or the overlaps between between uh, megacity one and Necromunda and I only discovered this uh, as well quite recently and it all it all hinges around um, a set of floor tiles which which Games Workshop published in 1987 now that was when very important note Games Workshop had the license for Judge Dredd and they had put out uh, a game, a board game and also a role-play game. And so these floor tiles, and sorry, and miniatures range, how can I forget that? So uh, an official Judge Dredd and 2000 AD miniatures range. So these floor tiles were published as as a, a tie-in or an expansion with uh, for for the Judge Dread role-play game, and I can't remember if I've said this. It's called City Block. So they're City Block floor tiles, City Block Judge Dread floor plans, but stamped all over the box and the booklet that you get in the box is 
Imperium approved. Warhammer 40,000 Rogue Trader. And this is where it starts to get interesting. So on the back of the city block box, you've got two little boxes. One of which uh, shows the, uh, um, the, the eagle, the famous eagle of law and order uh, for the mega city judges. And <laughs> in the other, in the other box, the the two-headed eagle of the um, Imperium, the, the Warhammer 40k Imperium. So what I'd like to do is just uh, read you a, a little a little extract from the. Uh, from the box of the of the Imperium version. So here we've got these two these two parallel uh, properties, shall we say? And here we go. Here we find this. The floor plans in this set are approved by the Inquisition as morally pure and suitable for use with Warhammer Forty Thousand. Captain Flavius Exoculus has personally tested the new rules for fighting on a square grid and guarantees that the plans make an ideal simulation of hive world complexes. The accompanying booklet, compiled by Graham Davis and Alan Merritt, also provides a complete system for generating hive world gangs and their equipment. Armed with these details, the Legion's Astartes, bracket Space Marines, can take the fight against corruption to the heart of the enemy's lair. So, we have here floor plans intended for a role-play game, which also uh, come with a booklet explaining how you can use them uh, for skirmish games set in the world of Warhammer 40,000. And as you hear from that passage, the, the Hive World gangs are kind of just almost quite casually thrown in. So, if we open up our box, and mine's a bit battered, but um, the contents are all in perfectly good nick. You have this very simple uh, blue ink on white paper booklet. And Flicking through it again, uh, I'm actually impressed with the first part, which is uh, how you can generate city blocks in 2000 AD. Oh, for the Judge Dread roleplay game, I should say. It's actually pretty fun. It's a pretty fun uh, 
set of of tables and elements to create a city block and so it's pretty it's pretty universal really for i suppose any kind of urban science fiction setting so that's that's actually uh, a nice little part of it but when we get to who what's about halfway through we get the uh we get the stuff on using it for warhammer 40,000 and so the skirmish rules and then the the material on the hive worlds and the hive gangs so what i'd like to do is to read you uh the the little bit of flavor text which which starts this part of the booklet off in the gently smoking ruins three figures stooped over the box how it had survived the destruction of a building was a miracle and they approached it with caution Material analysis follows. Crackled the hand comp. Main construction, vegetable. Reconstituted main stem, genus dendro. Coating, same plus traces, various metals in polymer base. Identified cadmium, cobalt. End analysis. Ordered Captain Bolland. Structure. Structure, hollow, contains sheets, same material, tech level estimate, low to medium. Yes, but is it dangerous? Asked Sergeant Kennedy. Physical threat, zero. Indeed, muttered Inquisitor Tharg, gingerly picking up the box. The moral threat remains to be assessed. He opened the box, his plasteel-gloved hands moving with a delicacy that belied their servo-amplified power. The contents were revealed as a number of sheets of the strange material. Twenty or so were fixed together by two short bars of fine wire, while the rest were loose in the box. Hmm, mused Bolland, peering over Tharg's shoulder at one of the loose sheets. They look a lot like viz plans. Ah, your pardon, Inquisitor. He backed away from Tharg's raised bolter. As you may recall, said the Inquisitor dryly, I said that their moral threat has yet to be assessed. Mind you, he continued after a few seconds perusal of the sheets, your interpretation does seem to be superficially correct. 
They appear to be plans of a building interior of some kind. He leafed through the metal joint bundle. Symbols of some kind, he muttered half to himself. As the method of keeping them together reminds me of some of the Order's most ancient and holy texts. He placed the document under the hand comp scanner and pressed the button. Translating, it buzzed. Evaluation follows, building plan generation system plus scale plans, apparently for use with the combat simulation system name. Judge Dread, the role playing game. Many terms not in standard comp dict. Dread, spug, grud. End analysis, ordered Sarg. A building generator for a combat simulation. He paused in thought for a few seconds. Before anyone could stop him, Sergeant Kennedy seized one of the plans. Yeah, he breathed. He reached into an equipment pouch and fished out a tiny but perfectly detailed model of a space marine cast in optipolymer and painted in the colours of his own space wolf's uniform. Look, he said with mounting excitement, they're perfect for skirmish simulations, the grids for controlling movement, and you've got markers for walls and doors and various obstacles. Inquisitor Tharg lowered his smoking bolter. I have not yet declared them morally sound, he said flatly. I must consult with my superiors. He placed the sheets in the box and picked it up. You will, of course, report the neutralisation of the booby trap that killed your sergeant, he said over one shoulder as he left. So, there we have in that bit of flavour text some very interesting things. We have uh, the some space marines and an inquisitor finding the box of city block floor plans for the Judge Dread role-playing game. And they have their own miniatures of themselves there. But the, the key thing there, really, in terms of the connection between uh, the world of 40k and uh, 2000AD is that we have Inquisitor Tharg, and Tharg is the famous fictional editor of 2000 AD. We also have, um, uh, we've got these sergeants, Bolland and Kennedy. Now, they are presumably reference to artists who drew for 2000 AD and specifically Judge Dredd. So Brian Bolland and Ian Kennedy. So Games Workshop there 
is 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 tying its own world in very uh playfully uh but pretty you know quite deeply at that point with uh with the world of 2000 AD now i don't want to suggest that uh necromunda is megacity 1 or a megacity at all that's not the intention it's really just to look at how um the the hives evolved out of this uh, out of the 2000 AD setting and and of course became their own thing very much so but this is i i think this is a really fascinating point of intersection of course for me being someone who when i was younger was interested in both and wasn't aware of this connection i suppose uh, you know in any explicit sense now then i'd like to read a little bit more um and to focus you know i'll read i'll read bits about the the hive worlds the hive worlds the hive worlds are planet cities almost their entire surface is covered by endless buildings their skyscrapers stretch hundreds of stories into the air and their basements dive as far or further deep into the very body of the world These places are home to billions of people, a fortunate few living in the opulent penthouses which grace the upper levels of the city, but most enduring a life of unending misery in the awful, overcrowded slums of the middle and lower levels. What's interesting here is the degree to which the the Games Workshop concept of the hive worlds is is established from the outset. That is still basically the model that they use today. Okay. So, specifically then, some more on the Hive Worlds from the booklet. Megacity 1 and the other megacities of the 22nd century Earth of Judge Dredd are quite similar to some parts of the hive worlds of the 40th millennium. Imagine a megacity which covers the entire surface of a planet and you have a fairly accurate vision of a hive world. Hive worlds are grossly overpopulated and for all but a fortunate few living conditions are far from civilised. Society is held together only by fear of the authorities, which is far from universal, and the populace is resigned to a miserable life of scavenging and fighting for what little resources there are. The theoretical government of these places usually confines itself to dealing in the only real resource these worlds have to offer, the people. Imperial commanders can be regarded as being little more than glorified slavers. They live in opulent palaces far above the dark, 
fetid slums of the lower levels and, comf- and comfortably removed from the subhuman lives of the vast bulk of the population. The Imperium itself is concerned only that emergent psychers are dealt with, either destroyed or captured and shipped to the Emperor for processing. Given the enormous populations of the hive worlds, they are constantly visited by the agents of various imperial organisations, and it is not unusual for members of the administratum to be present on a hive world in some numbers. One particular imperial body with a special interest in the hive worlds is the Legion Astartes, the Space Marines. Nearly all Space Marine chapters dredge the lower levels of the Hive Worlds, searching for the toughest, meanest and most cunning survivors of one of the most hostile environments outside the Death Worlds. On many Hive Worlds, the Hivers have formed themselves into tribal gangs and are constantly warring for space and resources. These battle-hardened Hivers from ideal stock form Ideal stock. Sorry, these battle-hardened hivers form ideal stock for recruitment and processing. On other occasions, the Space Marines are seen as the best equipped force to carry out missions on hive worlds and are frequently called on to undertake raids or put down rebellions. Sometimes they combine the two, putting down uprisings and recruiting the most able rebels into their own ranks, often to the dismay of the world's imperial governor. Given a little imagination, it's possible to come up with hundreds of reasons for Space Marines or any other Imperial organisation to be present on a hive world. It is quite easy to see reasons for a lot of the alien races to be drawn to such places. Secretly ensconced in the lower levels, they could avoid official notice for years, feeding on the abundant population and fermenting their unspeakable plans. And now, a little bit on the Hive World gangs from the booklet. In the forbidding depths of the Hive World lower levels, the planetary authorities have all but given up trying to enforce law and keep order among the population. The vast overcrowding and pitiful resources have caused these places to become as violent as any alien death world. Men survive only on their ability to find, steal or extort food. Base cunning and primal aggression are qualities which serve the hiver well. Weakness and fear are his enemies, superstition and mistrust his way of life. It is no wonder then that the hive worlds are fertile hunting grounds for the recruiting arms of the Legions Astartes. Even in such a place, humanity is gregarious and the weak seek the protection of the strong. It is common for hivers, especially in the lower levels, to band together for mutual protection and to prey on the weaker and less organised. Each gang stakes a claim over a particular area, defending it against neighbouring gangs and and trying to expand into their territory in a never-ending series of wars. Each group is ruled by the strongest or most cunning, who rules with an iron fist, never daring forget that many of his followers would love to take his place. Any transgression on the leader's will of the leader's will is punished by death or rejection 
which is but a slow form of death. The gangs constantly change, fragmenting when strong leaders die and involving themselves in an ever-changing pattern of alliances and oppositions. Hiver gangs often adopt a name reflecting their environment, their favoured fighting style or anything else with which they identify themselves. On the hive world of Telus 1501, gangs were recorded with names such as the Bad Rad Boys, the Metal Maniacs, the Screaming Scabs and the Zeta Death Phalangites. And then it goes into uh, generating, how to generate typical Hiver gangs. Um, and they say, there is little real organisation amongst the Hiver gangs, which may number from a handful of semi-skilled fighters to several dozen combatants of near military ability. For the purposes of small skirmishes, it is best to organise gangs into groups of between five and twelve individuals, in the same way as space marines are divided into squads. Each group will be led by a personality of champion or higher status. Groups from rival gangs will never cooperate with each other, and at the GM's option, they may hate each other. If more than one gang is represented in a game, each gang should be commanded by a different player, even if they are allied. And so, you know, it gives you some overviews of equipment and so on. And then it says, regarding uniforms... Obviously, there is no overall distinctive uniform for Hiver gangs, but most gangs have some kind of tribal symbols which are used on clothing. And they give an example. The Wasteland Warriors favour spectacularly dyed hair and paint their clothing with the symbol of a hand holding a knife. So... That's what you get in there. And I think that those, those few lines are, for me, in some ways, the most telling, where they say, um, Mega City One and the other mega cities of the 22nd century Earth of Judge Dredd are quite similar to some parts of the hive worlds of the 40th millennium quite similar so there's that i this i think is a is a really really fascinating little footnote in the history of these ideas especially if we uh when we consider the the current gaming environment um, you know, we're seeing lots more skirmishes. Um, we've got the Warlord skirmishes, as I've mentioned before, with that connection via um, Gav Thorpe and Andy Chambers, who were both at uh, Games Workshop a while back. Um, and And... 
then also yeah the, the the way that games workshop is going back to some of its earlier properties especially necromunda um and and it is fascinating to see how although you know while while games workshop change all sorts of things all of the time and you know produce ever more miniatures um they 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 have stuck they have stuck incredibly hard to lots of their early ip ideas there we go i'm going to leave it there for today there will be another episode coming up soon as i said where i talk about the confrontation rules that that obviously expand on what came in the city block booklet all the best see you